Welcome, welcome, welcome to Thirst for Knowledge Podcast, episode 53. I'm James Evers. I'm Justin. And I'm Seth Tardiff. And today on the episode, we're talking with the unofficial fourth member of our podcast, Q. Yes, we welcome back Q, and we have a great episode for you guys today. We talk a lot of philosophical quandaries. I can't think of another Q word, but yes, we're talking um, some would you rathers, which we start and end the episode with. We also talk about ancient languages, meme lords, and free will versus determinism, along with a bunch of other fun philosophical questions with our good pal Q. So enjoy. Don't get too lost. Enjoy. And also, enjoy. Can we ask uh, Q the would you rathers that we had the last few episodes? Do you remember any of them? No, I don't. That's your job. (laughs) It's a definitive no. One was a language thing, right? Yeah, one was... Q, yeah, would up? you rather only uh, be able to speak all languages in the entire known world? Everything. So be any a protocol dialect. droid. Yes. Yes. Okay. Be basically a protocol droid. Or um, except. Except, for, except you wouldn't be able to understand... Um, was it moisture evaporators? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's ing- okay, now it's ba- I'm, basic. I'm, I'm getting... L- okay. Basic. Basic. Yeah, you don't know basic, you, but you know every other language. But everybody around you only speaks basic. No, 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 not everyone around you. Okay, now you guys are fucking this whole thing up. <laughs> Listen, Q. All right. You have a choice to click this button, right? This button will automatically... You'll download all languages, and you'll understand how to speak and write and communicate in every single language, including all the ancient languages and whatever language, except English. That's it. You don't know English at all. Except you would lose, English. You would lose all capabilities of learning English and understanding it, talking to people, writing it, everything. But you automatically learn all the other languages. People talk to you in English, and it just sounds like a dog barking. barking. You have no fucking idea, and there's no way you could ever understand English ever again. <laughs> yes, it's a yeah, tough sure. one, then. I'll take it. Yeah, you'll take what? I'll take it. All the languages. You want to yeah. learn all languages? Yeah, but you'll that never mean- be able to talk to us again, and well, especially me. And I'm like well, the most important person in your life. We'll get a translator. <laughs> we'll get whatever a Spanish trans French doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Sounds like it, it costs at money. That point, if you could do that if you had that ability you would be able to parlay that into some kind of money-making thing and then you could have the resources to be able to have a translator on hand at all times you wouldn't be able to make a damn dollar because everyone just wants to speak english no. Well, no, it's not be, true. He That's could just be actually incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> he could be a Russian translator for the uh, Chinese, you know, for the Chinese, Chinese government. Yeah. Chinese, yeah, he could speak to China from Russia. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's you. You said all ancient languages too, so that means you get Latin, you get Sanskrit, you get all these other things that are 
vast amounts of literature that have been written in. So I mean, it's it like, would be cool to like look at the Dead Sea Scrolls and be able to like read them like a no, fucking book. Do, does no one know how to understand those? Oh, they do. But for example, if you learn, if you learn Sanskrit like in graduate school or something. You might learn some basic forms. You might learn how a lot of the words are pronounced or letters are pronounced. But even the deeper you get into Sanskrit, you sort of like pick an area. Like because of the way that the language is, like ancient ancient Indians or the originators of this language thought that um, Sanskrit itself was like the language of the universe, like that it mirrored our experience you know like in, in the way that like some people say that math is or whatnot but they really thought that you know this was like a holy sacred language that is what essentially everything's made of but so when you study it more and more and more like if the more you uh, learn you kind of silo yourself into one area like you might go learn sanskrit then you get all the fundamentals and then the next thing you know you're sort of studying you know, Sanskrit poetry of North India between 1500 and 1600, and then that's its own style of Sanskrit that's vast and deep or what have you, um, versus like, you know, Sanskrit from a different part of India that's at a different time frame, you know. What's the oldest? Wouldn't you want to like, like normally you just want to build a foundation of Sanskrit so then you would understand kind of what they're going for? Well, that's the thing is like that, because there's so much development in each of these little areas or each of these aspects of it, it gets it to It sounds a point- like you're trying to learn like rap slang of English before you learn English. So you don't know what those meanings mean before what they originally meant. Kind of, but that's the thing is like if you go back even further to try to find some fundamental root to it all and learn that, it's by the time you might be able to find an uh, a common denominator for all the different types of Sanskrit, but it's not going to help you because that itself is so far back and far removed from what exists that yeah. like could it sounds you like even, you're learning memes could you even find a codex to like understand even like the most original sanskrit like yeah oh, language? i'm sure i'm sure you could but it's like it's it's sort of like understood in its own i'm kind of butchering this but it's like It's like trying to learn a meme now. Yeah, there's like 50,000 memes to track I mean, that meme. Kind of, yeah, because you, you, once you get to a point where things are referencing other things that are referencing other things, so it's like, like you said, yeah, it's kind of like it's difficult to try to understand a meme without any sort of ground for that. Um, and that meme is just a fucking joke from a culture pop culture <laughs> bullshit that you might not even be aware about. But now we have the internet, so we can look up these memes and what their origins are and we can reference them to other things and reference them to other things much quicker than back then as a meme lord though as a meme lord (laughs) for me to convince gina and have her understand a meme to try to explain the joke of that meme by the time i finish explaining it that meme's not even funny anymore to her yeah but it's almost an instant it's like haha but your brain just went backtracked through well, yeah, the universe. That's, and and back, that's what I think yeah. is kind of funny about memes is like, that's where the humor comes from is like, you might see something and unless you understand the reference or the, like maybe it's making fun, maybe it's using another meme for a different purpose or it's like inverting something. It's like, you might do this three, four, five times in a, you know, a bunch of layers on top of it. And if you can put all those points together, it's actually kind of, fascinating and it's there's been a lot of memes that i've looked at 
and they're over my head and I'm like, whoa. And they're like, they're like, oh, listen, this is how you trace this one back. And you're like, holy shit. But dude, there's so many memes out there now and they're, they can get incredibly specific. Like Q was saying earlier with Sanskrit, how it was like, uh, uh, the poetry from this very specific point in time. And like, you're looking at a meme that is referencing some part of culture that has to do with like a very specific type of thing. For example, During that time, or maybe. even like I'm, I'm looking at a meme that is very specifically geared towards people who play guitar, but it's also very specifically geared towards people who play metal guitar and yeah. who are familiar yeah. with the all pop of the jokes in that scene and yeah. all of the jokes in that scene. Exactly. You know? So if you're not in that, you wouldn't understand you it. You wouldn't understand it at all. But it might also be one of those generic memes that every that has been reused over like the form of it, like its base right. has been used a bunch of times for other very specific things. And you might have seen that meme, but when you see it in the context of yeah. death metal guitar, <clears throat> you're not in that scene, so you don't get that at all. You know? Yeah, it's like uh the couple walking down the street and then you got the the guy who's like looking at the other girl and they yes. always put the words in there that's a really good yep. example of one that's used all the fuck over the place but mm-hmm. it's funny when you have more and more of these things it's like it gets to the point where oh this one's funny because it's making fun of this meme which is using this content which all it all originated back to this really obscure political thing from Argentina but now it means this in this context you know, fun fact, meme or mem means same in French. That's the word. Oh, I thought it meant meme, like my grandmother. I thought she made them all up. <laughs> oh. My meme. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to find out my meme was the original I mean, meme lord. He is the meme lord, so I mean, it runs in the family. <laughs> is he the meme lord or is he a meme I'm lord? a meme lord. <laughs> I, feel like that's, there can, I feel like that's not a Highlander type situation. No, definitely not. No. Yeah, I, I've definitely never heard the word meme lord before until this podcast. And <laughs> I'm neither. actually I'm actually kind of surprised that I haven't heard that term yet. I know. <laughs> well, it's real now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I love how we just segued from ancient languages into current meme culture. But I think it really made a lot of sense. I wonder if there was any other would you rather questions that we had for for Q. All the language. What what prompted that though? I don't remember. I thought I think it, it was just kind of our regular we were just It was a regular like, podcast and I had it in my mind. I think someone at work asked me and I was like, mm, "Let me ask my guys about that." I I I went initially I went English because I everybody in my immediate life speaks English. So right. to lose that connection would be uh, a, a major obstacle. Yeah. And I know most of my friends <clears throat> aren't going to take the time or initiative to learn another language to speak to me again, <laughs> nor would my parents right. or anyone in my family. <laughs> right. So I was like, I'm just not, I'm not going to just, Oh yeah. yeah. Fuck it. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure I can just be as happy as I would be learning English. Granted, I would probably become Indiana Jones, start learning all the like ancient languages and find a bunch of treasure. Right. Find out that everyone who thought like like um, hieroglyphics, 
none of that shit says what you guys think that says. I'm going to start reading like old, old ancient Sanskrit. Like you said, everyone's wrong. I'm like, that doesn't say anything like that. It talks about dicks and boobies. Yeah, it's all just a bunch of erotica. Yeah. <laughs> and probably speaking, tax records. Speaking of erotica. Um, imagine if you started, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but one second. Imagine if you started just seeing languages that you didn't even know existed. Like you're just walking through the the woods and then it's like the leaves are making languages they're speaking sign language with each other with the trees like yeah, as they flicker what okay. i don't so I don't assuming that, nature had their own like weird strange language that yeah i'm not sure could, how that would work <laughs> dolphins boom you know they're speaking together well, you yeah. <laughs> it's some sort of communication yeah but now what, you know what's it. the difference between communication and language in particular i don't know you tell me that I asked you first. Communication versus language. Language is a listening, while communication is an understanding. No. Okay. I think no? you're. No, you might be onto something, like in the sense that communication is like could be encompasses a much broader umbrella understanding right? yeah yeah i can use... communicate i communicate to guys at work all the time without saying a single word i right. look at them and they'll be like oh, okay and then they'll right. look at me and right, i'll be like but, i know right. what i'm doing here sign language is is communicating communicating right? without speaking speaking well that's well hold on is it, it's communication without speaking but it's depends on the sign language right like a general gesture like i don't know or pointing over there is one thing but you suck me off but replacing words with gestures that have symbolic meaning is like a tear up you know what i'm saying it's a heavier level of understanding because now you guys both have to understand what that one thing means exactly both of you together yeah as opposed to i mean some things seem pre-linguistic like pointing or I don't know, other very general gestures that human beings do, but... I want to bring this back to a similar meme, but it means the same thing. It's like... It, it's like... When you look, when you point your eyes to the right and you shake your head this to the right, as opposed to shaking your head and looking to the left, they mean two different things, but everyone agrees that they both mean two different things. What's wrong, Gamma? Why are you crying? Like, come over here and talk to me and, like, let's... Fuck, I wish I could remember the meme, but it was so brilliant. I was like, damn, that's so true. They did, like, like this and this and this and that. And this is, like, all my movements that no one can see on the podcast, but... He's gesturing with his hands and his head. Represented... Yeah, each thing represented something. And they had a little, like, that means this, that means this, that means this. And you're like, oh, fuck, that does mean that. Right, but that's also mutually agreed upon. In, yeah, but it's like our, a universal. Our, is it, well, though? Is it universal, or is it just we perceive that to be universal within our culture? What's the difference? For sure. For, for sure. That's, I mean, I, well, sure, right? What is the difference? Um, I mean, if it's universal, it's... But universal suggests that right. I could go to a, a remote island in, you know... I don't know, Indonesia, yes. and and do these, it might work. It might fucking these work. Gestures, <laughs> the 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 yeah. head nod or the pointing, and assuming that they're going to understand what I'm the what I'm trying to communicate. Right, and that's the thing is like they might not always. But there's work. a lot of assumptions there. Well, that's interesting because the more the more vague the gesture the more ambiguous it is, the more open for interpretation it is. And that's what's the funny thing about communication and language altogether is like, even with 
words that have definitions that are in dictionaries and a language that has a syntax and a grammar, we can still, there's still ambiguity of meaning. You know, like I can say something like, I think I don't know if I've had this conversation with you guys, but I can say something like birthday party, right? And we all know what birthday party means. We know what a birthday is. We know what a party is. But each one of us has a different set of connotations for what exactly that means or a whole backlog of experiences associated with that. So if I'm trying to communicate to you something about a birthday party, I can do really well using this language that has these meanings and this grammar and whatnot. But there's still always going to be that other part of it that I'm not going to be able to communicate by just saying birthday party. Because you know it's it starts in your... Oh my God, Seth, that's very loud. I don't know what... Whatever... I don't know. The mics just changed. But anyways... The thought starts, the seed is in your is in your mind, right? And yeah. then you're basically trying to describe this picture from your mind and use words to communicate your thoughts and feelings and understanding of this image that's in your mind about birthday parties. Now, you communicate that to me, and then, first of all, the first layer of filter is coming through your language, how you communicate that using as much as you can with with verbal and nonverbal communication. Well, no, let's let's just limit it to one term. Let's just limit it to just birthday party. What I'm saying is like right. even in the even in the best situation where we both speak English and we're both relatively intelligent, educated, and I say birthday party to you and you understand and comprehend that, even with all that, there can still be vast There's things a that are different of, of an idea of what birthday party means to me versus you right there's because it also has to go through my filters in my mind in my own experiences and how i interpret birthday party yeah so you're gonna have almost like a dictionary definition part of that that you understand but there's gonna be that you understand in the purposes of the language being used but there's this whole other personal experience of, of all my birthday parties and maybe Maybe my my thought goes to any one particular year that stood out more yeah, than others. And, yeah, and you can do this with anything like like you know workbench as an object or table or what you know what I mean. Like you could do this with all kinds of stuff, and you can still have these differences. I mean, you still might functionally be able to get on with someone who has the same language, but you know, yeah, your experiences can hinder or enhance comprehension and communication. Right. Which is neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That thing about learning all the languages except for English is kind of like, you know of the biblical story of the Tower of Babel? No. Okay, so... I mean, uh, very vaguely. So it's, at some point, it's probably in... Genesis it's like trying or something. to build a tower to get to God or something. Yeah, essentially. To that, yeah, no, yes and yes. But you have uh, all these people building this tower that they wanted to exactly wanted to reach heaven, and they were all this massive project was working was happening because you had um, all of these people working together, right? And in the ancient world, you had a bunch of people working together to try to build this tower. So in the in the biblical story. This is how you have the or- origination of different languages. This is how they explain it in 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 the Bible, right? Is that you know, in humanity's hubris of trying to reach God, they built this tower and God's punishment was to make them speak in very different tongues so they couldn't work together anymore. 
So they so basically he just tried to throw a wrench in their plan. Exactly. It's to like to try oh, not good, to be successful. Right. Good luck. Guess what fuckers? Yeah. Good luck. But it's also kind of like I mean the whole idea is, you know, arrog- like man's arrogance in the face of God or whatever, but that and it's idea. also for Christians just trying to explain why. Oh, yeah, there's, totally. There's yeah. so many different languages. <laughs> yeah, right. If we all came from Adam and Eve, then how come I don't know what other people say? <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like, you'll see that a lot, like, the idea of, like, there being a ba- or Tower of Babel or as a stand-in for humanity's hubris or whatever. But the point is, if you spoke all these other languages except for English, you'd kind of be like in a really good position to organize a lot of people to do something, whatever that may be. The thing is, though, sure. there's multi, there's multiple. There's got to be hundreds of people who can speak, like, 50 languages. There are clubs and all for those people motherf- called Omniglots, yeah. And all those motherfuckers are doing are making YouTube videos and scaring Chinese people at Chinese restaurants. <laughs> they have conferences. There's, like, uh, you know... A bunch of dudes thing. who can speak every language and they just basically smell their own farts? No, it's like they'll have, yeah, they'll have like international conferences there that are for people that speak. I think to be defined as an omniglot, you have to speak more than like eight languages or something. And there's a bunch of people that do this and all different types of people. And like, yeah, it's like a thing. It's like a fart smelling competition. I don't know why you keep going back to the farts and the smelling of them <laughs> with the languages. It's like, but... oh, you're smart. Let me smell your farts. Oh, they smell good. Let's smell mine now. They smell good too, right? It's like, oh, you speak 10 languages? I speak 11. Like, no, I'm just kidding. I speak 12. I'm just kidding. I speak 13. And it's oh, like, isn't that more of a dick measuring contest? Yeah. Yeah, my oh, dick is bigger than your I see dick. what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a group of guys what... who all can speak a bunch of languages. They go to a conference and they show off how they can speak a different, and they just talk to each other in ten different languages at the same time. Hey, hey, uh, that's probably most of academia. Mm. A bunch of people interle- intellectually masturbating. Yes. Within, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a decent segue into that article that you gave me, Q. Oh, yeah. The luck swallows everything. Yeah. I remember you referenced that in a podcast. Yeah. You referenced it a few times. I do. Yeah. So you had given me this uh, piece of literature um, last when you were in town. Yeah. Which was last time you were on the podcast. Right. For the butt math episode. That's right. Fucking butt math. (laughs) <laughs> and um i finally i read it a, uh, a couple times i just mm-hmm. ref- refreshed reading it again before today's podcast and how you're talking about the i don't know the dick measuring contest in academia i imagine that the concept of whether or not we have free will do you want to explain is, it before we talk about is it a big debate in that community yeah, in certain certain parts of philosophy, absolutely, that's a big topic. Um, that's not that's not that I wouldn't consider that a good example of the intellectual masturbation because no, no, but I mean that topic in and of itself. Oh yeah, right, that though? topic in and of itself, the the free will versus determinism debate. Yeah, it's yes, a huge it, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. You'll have you'll yeah. take classes on just that or whatever. So yeah, yeah, which is insane. Like. It's so simple to just say free will versus determinism, but then sounds like an easy A on that you class. You go down and down there and down. There is so deep. much literature, and that article. The reason I like it, and I should have refreshed it, um, but I think I gave you my only copy. 
<laughs> you um, can get it online though. I know. I found I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you it, did make notes on it and it was nice to like see the parts that you highlighted specifically. Oh, interesting. And, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah Which like some um, of the parts that you highlighted, I was I don't know if I was influenced by your highlights or oh, shit. that I was actually <laughs> like, oh shit, this was a really good part to highlight, you know. Are these the highlighted yeah. parts? No. Oh, uh, okay. No, because he gave. I have a physical copy. Yeah. He has like a printed oh, out oh, piece. Okay. He was writing. Baby. Yeah, he was writing notes on, and yeah. that's the one that I read. Okay, I just read the online one. Yeah, I like I, that one because it's accessible, but it also does sort of introduce a lot of that perennial debate talking about uh, compatibilism or mm-hmm. determinism or these things. So it's like, because all too often, like. When I took metaphysics in in grad school, you had to, one of the parts, one of the modules, I guess, of the course was free will determinism. So we read all these different papers on different takes on it and whatnot, and it gets real thorny real quick. Um, real it, what? Thorny. Oh, thorny. I think it said yeah. thorny, and I was like, what's yeah. thorny? You get you end up getting into this like morass of terms and meaning and like like choice and deci- it just gets real technical and can get kind of and I like the Galen Strauss one because it kind of just cuts a certain amount of that out and kind of gives you a different perspective on it mm. which yeah, is nice I'd, I'd actually never heard of compatibilism until I read that article okay yeah yeah that's the simple idea that free will exists simultaneously and in the same world as determinism yeah which is which that just doesn't seem like it makes sense to me. Like when I first read that off the bat, I was like, is that real? Like, <laughs> you know, you know, so, cause uh, you would, yeah. I would think coming, not having a, a philosophy background or anything, just thing like what determinants determinism is, right. Mm-hmm. And that's just like everything, not, not everything's predetermined essentially. Like everything sort of kind sort of, of the, the way I like to explain it or the way that makes the most sense to me is, um, the state of the, the the entire state of the universe at time t two is entirely dependent on the entire state of the universe at time t one. Okay. So what I mean by that is that mm-hmm. I don't like to say predetermined because that makes people think of predestination and all these other things. Yeah. But yes, every thing that happens is a result of the thing that happened right before it. Yep. And everything in that moment is the result of the thing that happened right before that. Yeah. Because we live in a mechanistic universe as far as we can tell with the put a big asterisk next to quantum indeterminism, but for the most part, you think we live in this determinate universe, then if that's the case, how can we be the only things not subject to that? So compatibilism compatibilism tries to square that it tries to square uh all of science basically says that things seem to happen mechanistically or you know one thing causes the next thing causes the next thing i beat up a beehive the bees beat me i in turn get angry and beat my dog yeah i never got (laughs) if i never beat my if i never beat that beehive my dog would never have got beaten sure (laughs) makes sense but that's the thing is like what's the the thing about free will I beat my meat (laughs) in people yes you beat your meat which is why you beat the hive right the the hive beats me back 
Which in turn, honey's then a good I, lubricant, man. I, then I beat my dog <laughs> off. No, it's it can't be. That cannot. No, it's be. not. That's gonna not work at all and, unless you heat it up really well. Wow. It's like it's yeah. got to be really hot, Just and then it thin I mean, it out. That might be bit. your thing. Though. You listen, purify <laughs> that. Get all the wax out of it, and all it is is sweet, sweet sugar. <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, I understand um, what you're saying. Yeah, so it's like. The thing with free will is like, oh, I feel like I have it, so I must. It feels like I make decisions, so I must, which that's kind of a juvenile way to put it, but that's kind of what a lot of, that's one side of that debate is like, it really seems like we got free will. Yes. So let's just assume we do and try to square that with everything else. Yeah, like I'm I'm wildly waving my hands in the air right now. Like I never do this. Why am I doing it? Because I have free will. You know, like I yeah, have, and the, the, I have the decision to do that. Where right do you there. draw the line on free will, though? Like I can't fly. If I wanted to fly, I couldn't so just start hub- the, levitating. Yeah, in the de- in the debate, they'll talk about, or in that whole philosophical debate, there's like freedom versus, or freedom from constraint versus like freedom to do things that are in your ability or whatnot. Like, yeah, yeah you can't. He fly. outlines that in the article. Okay, good. Yeah, yes. there's like, um, you know, if you're tied to a chair. The chair is restraining you from getting up and walking around. If you can't fly, that's just a result of, I mean, you're not... Gravity? Yeah, more or less. It's not like one of those things is sort of has a more has a more uh, finality to it in a sense. Yeah, he gives like the example, even if you are like uh, something along the lines of a, a paraplegic and you don't have any ability to use your senses and all that stuff but you can still think you can still choose what thoughts you're having like that's your there's all these constraints that are on you there, that yeah. you, maybe you have no limbs and you have no yeah. senses but you can right. still think so you can you're, choose what to spend your yeah. time on while you're thinking or whatever you're, yeah there's a sort of a Sartre mentions that Jean-Paul Sartre is a French philosopher and he um I think he called it his take was radical free will and he's like you have free will Absolutely, under any condition. Oh, what's that? Someone's putting a gun to your head and telling you to do an Irish jig? Well, you have a choice to do the Irish jig or get shot in the head. And then you have 100% free will, which I think is... Pull the trigger! Un- I'd rather un- like, die! <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is like It doesn't make... It's like, yeah, I, it, is that freedom? That doesn't seem like it. You <laughs> no. know, you're sort of being bottlenecked into these two decisions, and yeah, you can freely choose either one, but... I don't know. I mean, you can also freely like choose position. to be like, snap, 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 break his neck, and then make him do the Irish jig. But then in turn, you're like, ha ha, and then you kill yourself in front of him, and he's like, what just happened? Yeah. And then everything gets flipped upside down. He's a new man. He changes his entire life. He doesn't do bad stuff anymore. He doesn't make people dance the Irish jig under gunpoint. <laughs> he bags groceries at Hannaford's now. So would the flip side to the argument be that the events that set up the, uh, like the sort of the, the moment where the person is holding the gun to the person's head and putting them in that bottleneck situation to choose a path that setup is determinism because it's, it's allowing like, like with Seth waving his arms, he chose to wave his arms in that moment but yeah. us having this conversation that led to that moment forced him to make that decision to wave his arms okay i think you're picking up on a really important thread that i like to highlight and that is 
the causal net, let's just assume we do live in a deterministic world, right? And everything is cause and effect and is it determined by the state previous. So that can be true and also be extremely fucking complicated, right? Yeah, for right. sure. So the whole idea of like, well, I can just put my arm up in the air and put it down or put it over here or do it. I did those things and there was totally no anything before it. Well, maybe, but it seems more likely that perhaps your desire to do that is linked to your personality or your preferences or, you know, the type of person you are, all these things. And where does that come from? You know, uh, probably an interchange between yourself and your environment for the first 10, 15 years of your life. Just like a default setting. And where does that come from? Did you choose that? Yeah, I could have done other things than wave my arms, right? To to, to make that... For sure, Point. you could have stood up and just jerked off. <laughs> exactly. And we'd be like, whoa, where did that come it, from? And it also right. hinges on the ability that I have arms and that I can right. wave them and that yeah. I am physically mobile and yeah. I have some, like, I can stretch a little bit and I can move my arms around. But also your personality, Seth, is more apt to do something a little bit more less, uh, you know, X-rated. <laughs> For sure, such as masturbation. Yeah, Yeah. no, that's exactly in the moment versus just waving. Yeah, Yeah. as if it was James, it'd be something different, you know. (laughs) Or as opposed to being something that could could have been violent. Or there's many things. Or maybe you're the type of person that doesn't want to challenge determinism, so you don't try to wave your arms and gesticulate wildly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like the the, like people like uh, the example I always think of is people get upset with the idea that things are determined so they try to be random yeah to make it well where does that come from right your 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 contrarianness your your uncomfortable feeling with things being determinate you try to break out of that but you're doing that by virtue of the type of person you are which is deterministically formed mm-hmm. <laughs> so but wouldn't wouldn't you try to break out of that at, at its core means that you accept that that's a thing. That's another good point. I mean, like if I'm trying, trying to, to prove fight that it's the wrong. system, yeah. well, well, sure, sure. Right. I mean, yeah. I guess you could look at it in either perspective. If I'm trying to prove that this is not a thing at, at its core, I am accepting that <laughs> this is actually kind of a thing. Right. But, but at the desire to prove that it's wrong comes from something comes from a previous moment in the universe where we started talking about free world versus determinism comes from a, you know what I mean like it's you think you're sort of like a lot of it comes back to choice and a lot of the free will uh, determinism debate revolves around choice like where did you have an actual choice you know like with the gun to your head that's not a free choice because you're constrained you're you're being coerced I mean it's not like you have all your abilities and you have all these options and you can choose anything to do it's like Think about how we punish people who do crimes, right? You know, if if someone was in the throes of a bath salt, you know, bender, Binge. and they, yeah, and they fucking eat someone's face, theoretically, you tend to th- think of them as less culpable if they're not in control of their faculties, right? The majority of sober people don't eat people's faces. So this guy eating someone's face, especially when it wasn't in his nature, and then he does it, 
Yeah, should we punish but also, one? Also, not everybody on bath salts will eat somebody's face. It's kind of well, common. Yeah. It's kind of common. The point I'm trying to say is like <laughs> you're the, probably going to eat someone's face on bath the, salts. The point is like linking choice to culpability. If someone didn't have a choice to do something, you know, we tend to view them as less culpable. Like, are you going to try the foot soldier or are you going to try the commanding officer at the war crime trial? You know what I mean? Um, who, that's do a whole you, no- who do you try, though? What is it? What's a common practice? I mean, it's mostly the foot soldier. Oh, it is? The one who's just following orders? I mean, that's why yeah, I asked. Right? I, don't, I don't know. Well, well that's he, what I'm saying. He, he perpetrated the act, but he was given those orders, right? That he was, was his job. He was given those orders to do that. So who's at fault? The person that was giving him the right. orders or the guy that carried Let's, out the let me Let me give you an deed. actual example from one of the papers I read, trying to make it even clearer, is like, imagine there is this technology that allows us to tamper with other people's brains, and you have a mad scientist who tampers with Justin's brain, and in such a way that he can con- control your actions in certain senses, right? What does Justin do? Tell me what Justin does. I don't know. He starts... Kissing me on the lips? I don't know. I don't know. He just starts drinking heavily and shooting guns a lot. I don't know. Whatever. Like shooting guns randomly in the air? Let's just make this easy. Justin yes, kisses me Yosemite on the lips. Sam. Justin kisses me on the lips. <laughs> okay, you know, that's Does that fine. make yeah. Justin gay? Okay. Or is no, that you? Hold on, gay? hold on. All right, let's, let's <laughs> paint this picture pretty yeah. crisp here. Okay? okay. So Justin, there's a mad scientist that can tamper with Justin's brain. Yeah. And he incepts inside Justin that he wants to wants kiss... To me on kiss James on the lips. Right and on the while, lips. While he's kissing James on the lips, he's dressed exactly like Yosemite Sam and shooting guns pew, into pew. the air yes. randomly. Now, is he a gay cowboy? Or um, are you a gay cowboy? That's not the question. Okay. It's, well, let's ask the same question a different way. Is yeah. Justin doing these things? Is Justin responsible for these things? Or is the mad scientist tampering with his brain for these express ends responsible right. for these things? Yeah. Who's the gay cowboy in this the whole The point picture? is, it's supposed to suss out where the choice is. Exactly. Right? Yes. If, right. if, yeah. if Justin doesn't have a choice and he's just being directed by these outside forces uh, and his will doesn't even enter into it, yeah. then how can he be culpable for these things? Right. Yeah. Like, a, like a sleeper agent. Like you say a, you say a phrase and it's so, just... Similar to the bath salts eating someone's face. Like, is it the drugs or is it the person? Well, that's the thing is like if the drugs can make it so the will is not in the picture. Yeah. So the mad scientist is essentially instead of 40 years. The mad scientist is a representation for the outside forces that may exist that are causing everyone to do what they're doing currently right now. Me talking, moving my hands around, watching you on the screen. There could be a mad scientist or something. That is yeah. represent, that the mad scientist represents. Couldn't it's making me do everything that's happening right now. So an interesting, interesting sort of corollary to this is um, in neuroscience. There's been people with either disabilities or accidents or injuries to their physical brain that has re- has resulted in change in personality. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy that had like a tumor growing in his. Um, in his brain and it was pressing up against something and essentially he became extremely irritable angry violent uh 
I think he ended up shooting someone, and that's how this all came to light. Was because he had this. As soon as the tumor was operated on, he went back to being the way he was before. And then it's like, well, what? How do you prosecute someone who did that when it was very clearly the result of this tumor, tumor. changing his personality? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to actually tell you guys a true story. This is actually kind of crazy because you said that and it's very relatable to the story. So my cousin has had this crazy pit bull and his name was Rocco. And anyway, it was a good dog for a a long time. And then, then like all of a sudden it had like this weird history of biting people and it, it bit her really, really bad on the wrist and ended up giving her like 50 stitches on her hand and on her. She almost wasn't able to use her hand anymore because it was so bad. Yeah. So then that happened. And then like a few months later, he bit one of her friend's ears off and he had to get like, he had to get like all the surgery to get his ear like put back on and everything. And then he bit the mailman really bad. He bit a police, police, uh, pizza delivery dude. And he like had to get a bunch of stitches in his calf. And then the final straw was the dog ended up biting my cousin's face and she almost lost her eye and she like had to get her, all her cheeks stitched back together. She's got this big scar and everything. So, and that was like the final straw. I was like, we have to put the dog down. It's got something wrong with it. The vet ended up taking the dog, doing brain surgery on it after it got put down and they had a tumor. It had a tumor on its brain, pressing against some crazy ass thing, making him react like a psychopath. Uh, your amygdala, that's like your aggression center and stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's exa- that's a perfect exact ex- yeah. example. But it got dog killed. Analogy. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the dog can't tell you or explain that it's been feeling differently the last five years. So <laughs> it's like right. So it just does what it does. Yeah because the dog was a crazy dog but that's the thing is is like it just does what it does as a result i mean sans tumor without a tumor animals are seen as instinctually reacting to their environment right we think we're special because we think about stuff and deliberate and we think that that gives us free will when all that really is is just an example of how complicated the causal net is when it comes to beings with like consciousness you know like i think that things are sort of causally determined but that doesn't mean we have to be fatalist about it i think that all that does and the buddha this is i'm partial to the buddhist view obviously but what they say is the causal net everything is cause and effect however that doesn't mean you can just sit on your laurels and be a fatalist about things you can just you know give up essentially because despite the fact that things are causally arranged it and now in the context of explaining this in in buddhist philosophy they're assuming that the reader is familiar with buddhism right and this is kind of interesting about that it's like yeah everything's causally connected lucky for you though you've discovered buddhism and that's causally connected too so if you want to make things better you start doing practices now that will causally lead you to enlightenment or what have you How did you end up here in this fortuitous position? Well, you're lucky. That's all there is to it. And you should have gratitude for that. But now that you know that things are causally, things have causally led you here to the, this Buddhist view I'm telling you, uh, now you can use this framework to your advantage to emancipate yourself from suffering 
and that's how they set it out. It's not like, you know, you're just going to magically, you have to do, th it's all very like, you do this and then this happens. You train your brain in this way and then your, you know, mind opens up in this certain way and then you, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a sort of step-by-step -step thing. Yeah. I, <clears throat> after rereading the, um, the luck swallows everything piece, I would have to tend to agree with like exactly what you just said. Like he gives examples of all the different views and like the pessimistic view, you know, that's, that's one viewpoint and everything. And they mentioned at one point, like, well, if everything's already predetermined, you have no, no will that like excuses Hitler. It's like, oh, yeah. he, he, uh, yeah, he just did that because he had no choice and there, that's it. That's that. Yeah. You know? And it's like, no, no, like that's like he did have a choice, like for the exact reason that you just outlined, you know what I mean? Like, it's still inexcusable that the Holocaust and all that stuff that is inexcusable, you know? Yeah. Well, why can't both of these things exist? Both so, of what? So, um, what was, what was that, uh, what was that new ideology that you discovered reading Lux Walls, everything? Determinism and then what? Compatibilism. Compatibilism. Well, so like, like you said about how, um, like the universe is built, and there's this mechanism that one moment affects the next moment affects the next moment. But why can't there be an element of free will that exists within that mechanism, and they work together? I mean, nature is all about balance, right? How do you? Okay, explain that. That's the that is the difficulty. Well, well, no. So I mean, I guess you could say like, so one one really um, one really classic way that compatibilists have tried to square this is, um, if the action originates in me, then it's free, or in a person that has deliberation, it's it's a it's you know a result of free will. But it's still like metaphysically, how do you square that? How do you square a mechanistic universe with this? oogie boogie spooky free will shit that only happens in human beings it's only in human I have a beings very, I, I have an interesting well, I mean, question you could say that but I mean that's just an arrogant position anyways to say that it's only in human beings cause, right that's why I want to I want to ask a question once you're finished I mean I think it makes more sense to say that it's in nobody and we think we have it so um, there in in um, in the article there was this thing the agent self yeah that it talks about yeah um and next to that you, you you underlined agent self and above it you wrote bs i don't know if you were like <laughs> if you were directly yes, yes. Yeah, i yeah, don't yeah, believe yeah. i don't believe in the existence of a self so an agent self is a fiction to me yes yeah, so but the, what he, he yeah yeah i'm just continue. gonna read read this this small excerpt from um lux walls everything but but this description of yours forgets the self. It forgets what one might call the agent self. As an agent self, one is in some way independent of one's mental nature. One's mental nature inclines one to do one thing rather than another, but it does not thereby necessitate one to do one thing rather than the other. <laughs> inclines, but does not necessitate. Yes. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, all of these inclinations taken together make up a person, mm -hmm. but those inclinations all come from somewhere. I don't think he talks about that exactly. He, he, he's talking, he's giving the example of the agent self and right. like how you're saying that's like, 
that other mystical thing that kind of like they made that up you know what i mean like we can't explain this so there must be this other thing it's like dark matter or whatever right like we know that there's something here we don't know what it is but so we're going to call it this and then right. make it glue all this other stuff together exactly without yeah. actually being able to really see it and measure it yeah. and quantify it yeah and i don't and that's the thing is i don't think there is a thing there that's doing all that and the fact that like you have to sort of come you have to it doesn't sound it doesn't so much seem like uh you're being forced to accept the existence of this thing it seems more like that's something you want to hold on to and let's build my theory around that because i think most of the position is we we need to figure out where the free will comes from i want to have free will i want to be my own i want to be a a self-existing apart from everyone else so it's like i want to tie into a point that seth made about hitler and justin made about why why would it only refer to humans and i want to what's the difference if he says Hitler was, he knew what he was doing and he had free will, but it, or it wasn't his fault that he killed like millions of Jews and all this stuff. Say that you took us, you were just walking from your car to your house and you stepped on an anthill, which in turn killed millions and millions of ants. You unknowingly stepped on that anthill. Yeah. You could have, if you saw it, you could have free, you could have, said i'm gonna step around it or you said i'm gonna i'm gonna step on it but if you didn't even know and you stepped on it which resulted in millions and millions of deaths of ants is that your fault compared to hitler who killed a bunch of jews and all this fucked up shit why does it only refer to humans as a free will act but like it doesn't refer to anything else does that make sense did i just go around a bunch of weird shit the human non-human distinction has to do with deliberation and how we have all this symbolic language and being able to refer to our actions and reflexivity and all these things um in terms of like stepping on the anthill versus committing the holocaust it's like the anthill if that happens and you're and you're not even aware of it that's one thing but the holocaust was intentional and there was no lack of information there the stepping on the anthill is a lack of information, a lack of, yeah. I mean, sometimes there's going to be avalanches that fall in the mountains. So what if and, I knowingly stepped on the anthill and stepped on it? Is What about that? Is that equivalent to the Holocaust? Yeah. I don't think so because it's, this is sort of edging into more of an ethics question rather than free will, but it's like, the short answer should is- Should I be forgiven for it? Well, the, I th- the way I would I wouldn't equate the two because I think there's a big difference in how salient the moral how what the moral saliency is. I think it's a big much bigger moral question when you talk about the the Holocaust than right. It's stepping pretty on an dramatic. Anthill. It's a dramatic, yeah. But comparison. that doesn't mean that they're you know I don't want to say it comes a difference. to free will though. Is like he responsible just as much as I am responsible? Well, dude, well, the- you you were just like you said, you were posing like an ethics question at this point, right? You're kind of going back, like, oh yeah, who's responsible? That's the 
That's the free yeah, will. Yeah, that is an ethics that's, question. That, you're right. No, you're no, right. No, yeah. The responsibility is the, the free will question. But like whether or not that's good or bad, that's the ethics question. Well, yeah, it's, it's, see, that's the thing is like it's that's one of the interesting parts of this debate where it links into ethics is we uh, we link choice and responsibility and responsibility has this quality. We're going back to language here where it can mean morally responsible. It can mean just like responsible in terms of causing it. It can be mm-hmm, responsible. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of different things there. And it's it's kind of neat but it's like the uh the the choice part the choice of like assuming you have options whatever option you choose those are the types of choices that are set up like that with available options that we give the most i guess Free. moral weight to do you know what yeah. i mean yeah so it's like oh you can you know you have seven different restaurants in town that you can choose for lunch and you're going to support them with your money, whichever one you choose. Your dollars, like, your vote. It's whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. Choice. Choice <laughs> is a, it's fucking important. There's <laughs> another part from that. Um, Q, do you think you vote more with your dollar or with your idea? What do you mean? How do you mean? Do you think your dollar represents more weight in your vote of what happens in the world or your your idea it depends on how the idea is disseminated exactly right it depends on if if you're a person that has massive amounts of wealth or even even i guess you can say that's almost your voice people that have some amount of wealth like you can make small votes right with your i spend my money here i spend my money here but it's lot more largely weighted if you have a massive amount you have of more votes. If you have if you have a massive amount of money, but then with ideas, if you have a small platform like ours, um, then our our ideas are like the that person who's spending a couple of dollars versus the person that's spending Oprah. millions of dollars exactly. But like so, yeah, like Oprah for example, she has a bigger platform than ours. She reaches more people, so her ideas also get more weight behind them just because she's reaching so many more people, right? Yeah. And that's like, I mean, that's another... Right, but also, like, how... Like, where are you putting weight in any of these things? Because you could, Q, you could tell me something that has an idea. You can give me an idea. Like, change your life. Or make a statement, and intrinsically, like, it could fucking, like, (laughs) change my whole outlook on life from my own experience, which you... I mean, you have. I mean, let's be honest. You made you, you kiss have. me on the lips. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's all into the individual and where you put value in any of these one things. Right. And, I and mean, I think it, that's the thing I was going to try to pry apart was um, real world effect, you know, like, because voting with your dollar, that's a very material minded thing to do, which is fine because unfortunately we live in a materialist world, you know, Capitalism no matter how many... You know how many great ideas I have? The fucking landlord doesn't give a fuck. The, rent, the, the, the tax man doesn't care if I am a contemplative master and I, you know, have achieved nirvana. I still gotta pay the motherfucker in U.S. dollars. Right. Truth. Yes. Unfortunately, so it's like, yeah, one person voting with the small dollars they have is is one thing. Uh, depending on what they do, it like maybe maybe you maybe you make forty k a year and you're a 
I don't know, a middle school English teacher. You can reach a lot of kids mm-hmm. in impactful ways, and that might change the world a lot more than however much money you can throw around at different effective charities or whatnot. Maybe Hitler would flip, have been an artist instead of a serial killer. Maybe. <laughs> but on the up but on the other hand though, it's like you can have um a bunch of people that don't make a lot of money that are using their dollars to make some sort of real world change or effect. For example, yesterday was Black Friday and there was an international boycott of Amazon. There was? There was. Oh, I didn't know about it. How much money did you spend on Amazon yesterday, James? Uh, like only like 1200 Once again, Jeff Bezos has made $70 billion over the pandemic. Oh, for sure. Amazon is far too large for even one country to manage. And that's why they're doing this is like, that's, that's crazy. But that's the thing is like, if you just have a bunch of people doing this thing at a lower level, rather than relying on one really large person to splash cash, to have a real world effect. I mean, it's like a different, you know, grassroots versus top down or whatever. Yeah. No, it's crazy. He's super rich. That's interesting because like right the Saturday, which is today, is small business Saturday. It's like kind of the counter balance to the whole Black Friday thing where most people Jeff Bezos made more money than all of them put together. (laughs) Oh, probably, which is sad, but yeah. I want to tell you guys a story about Jeff Bezos. It might not be relatable. But it could be relatable. I don't know. Maybe you guys can swing it. Wait, did we did we finish? Are we, I, I mean, well, I guess a lot of this stuff is kind of like loose ends, anyways. A lot of it, and a lot of it never gets finished. Right, unfortunately. you really can't kind of finish any of these points, but it certainly. So, Ham, on that note, like what you're saying, like, did we finish this? Like, there, we could literally spend hours talking about yeah. free will, determinism. Um, uh, compatibilism compatibilism yeah that's the word I was <laughs> looking for um, there's a really great quote at the end of Luck Swallows Everything I think yeah uh, Andrew uh, Gide or Gid or Guide do you know how- I don't know yeah Andre G-I-D-E um, okay h- h- so <clears throat> Uh, Strassen, Galen Strassen, who wrote Lux Walls Everything, quotes this guy, Andre, at the end. Everything has been said before, but since nobody listens, we have to keep going back and beginning all over again. <laughs> Story of my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that, I thought that that was a perfect quote to put at the end of that article, because he... he um, it's. It, I, I would recommend anybody listening right now to read Lux Walls Everything by Galen Strassen. Um, it was a really, fabulous, really fabulous good article. read. Um, it goes pretty quick, too. We'll put it in the it's, show notes, too, right? Yeah, yeah. But I found a link to a you know published version of it online yeah. and everything that gives proper credit and all that stuff yeah. uh, to the author and everything. Um, but it talks about like a lot of the points that you were saying he makes and he, he, he lays out the, like a lot of these like common arguments for, you know, for and against free will. And at the very beginning, he kind of, um, the, the first thing is, uh, are we free agents? Can we be morally responsible for what we do? 
those are the two questions. And then there's all the different ways that you can answer those two questions. Yes and yes, yes and no, no and no, and no and yes. And then that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. He, and then he like says like, oh, well, most people think this way or that way. And yeah. then there's like the minority that says no and yes, that no, we're not free agents, but yes, we can be morally responsible. That's I thought what that, I think. that was a crazy, that's a crazy take, right? Yeah, but, right. but it actually makes... A lot of a lot, sense, though. A lot of sense, which is yeah. which is insane. Which is insane. We do live I mean, in the matrix, and you can kind of make your own decisions. Yeah, because at the <laughs> beginning of the article, when I was reading that, I was like, "No, that that's stupid." <laughs> and then by the time you get yes. to the by the time you get to the end, you're like, "Damn, oh, that shit. actually kind of makes a little bit of sense." That's right? the only one that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he lays it out all all really really well. Another um, big part of this debate that I thought was really interesting was how it intersects with the criminal justice system. And we kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, I can't remember the guy's name. There's another paper I'll have to get to you um, that talks more about it. But basically, uh, if you think about our criminal justice system in terms of how it's set up, it's a very punitive criminal justice system. People get punished you're yeah, getting there's more punished. people in jail now than ever before you're getting punished for what you did you did this and you're getting punished and the buck stops with you and that's why we're putting you in prison you know what i mean mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that sort of supposes free will like a pretty robust form of it like yeah. in all cases <laughs> yeah it's not so, considering there's a big the movement right now trying to get people out from kids going yeah. straight to jail out out of high school yeah, exactly. It, there's like this sort of highway to highway to prison, and it's like that alone. I mean, there's a shit tons of data on this, but it's like philosophically, if you think like me and you don't believe in a, a robust self, to say that you're going to put someone in prison because they did something that's bad and they're the one that's the absolute culprit of it, just is totally doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And he, the article that I oh, Dirk. Paraboom. Dirk Paraboom. That's the guy's name. <laughs> Great I know, name. it's a weird name. I think he's Great. Australian. Great name. Is that yeah. a basketball yeah, player? Up. Is that a basketball player? He plays in the Lakers, no, right? That, no, Dirk. You're thinking Dirk Nowitzki. <laughs> 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 um, he, has this, he, has this, he has a take where it's like, well, let's just bite the bullet. Let's just say that none of us are responsible in the way that we think we are. Well, then what do you do with the criminal justice system? Do you just abolish it? No, that's crazy. Yeah. You you set it up in a different way. You mm -hmm. set it up as a, you actually try to rehabilitate people. You actually, your model isn't punitive. It's more of a quarantine thing. Yes, this person's a serial murderer. They can't be in society. They've proven that they can't be in society. So let's segregate them from society. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's all that it has to be. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. It doesn't have to be like you're this you're this deranged psycho killer and you did all these horrible things. That's not the question. The question is the things you did affect society at large and you can't do them in society because it's affecting society at large. So we quarantine you and other criminals so that, you know, we don't have all this shit happening. But doing so doesn't need to presuppose that they're the absolute, you know, choosers of all of their decisions or whatnot. You can still have a system like this that works without all of this messy philosophical incomprehensibility. You know, it's like it doesn't 
Am I making sense? Oh, totally, dude. And it, and it really goes, so much of this goes back to the core of nuance, right? Yeah. Like we love to compartmentalize things. We love to make it very nice and neat so that we can easily explain things to large groups of people. It's like, oh, this person do bad. Put them in the, yeah. put them in the place where bad people go. Bad place. Oh, right. Okay. I, I understand that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but it's so many things are so much more complicated than that, but for people to make a lot of money very quickly and to continue to move things forward, it's very easy to put these boxes in rather than get into the nitty gritty of, oh, well, we actually need special rehabilitation centers for these kinds of people. Oh, the homeless problem. Like, ah, like they're on the streets. Let's let's not forget the idea of rehabilitation. The idea is only possible if you assume that people can change, that mm-hmm. people are malleable, that people are not rigidly identified with one event in their life. Yep. Okay, yep. so the 19-year-old broke into a car, crashed it into a pharmacy, and it uh, inadvertently maimed uh, this woman. Okay, does that mean that that's who that person is their entire fucking life? No. Yeah. No, I don't know. And that, and that, to me, is philosophically connected to the idea of a permanent robust self which you know if what you that person that- looks like a dollar bill baby i could send him off into this camp and i get an extra money i get some money from the government to subsidize subsidize his food and his living and then i make money off that man sounds good to me <laughs> sounds like money <laughs> sounds like paper son yes yeah that's why jails are private dog and not public <laughs> god <laughs> it's true there's a reason why the, that the United States has more people in jail than ever in history, in any time in human history. It's because they fucking make a shitload of money off oh, of it, yeah. and it's capitalism. I didn't know where you were going at first. I thought yeah, you were sorry. just crazy. But no. um, yeah, privatized the prison industry is fucked up. Yeah, man, it's crazy. And that's the majority of people who are in prison are in these private prisons that are funded by the government. But yeah. someone else is making the money off them. They're not. They're they're like in partnership with the government. The government gets these contracts to these private prison companies. Just the idea of a private prison company, like fuck. There's oh, yeah. if you think yeah. of like a private company, not even a prison company, a private company. What is their goals and what what do they have to the, do to set these goals? The bottom line, baby. What's yeah. the bottom line? Yeah. How do I make more money? Well, you make yeah. more money by getting more prisoners. How do you get more prisoners? By fucking, I don't know, you lobbying. lobby certain drug, drug laws. You lobby, yeah. you know yeah, what you I mean? Yeah, you lobby all kinds of shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. To get yeah. people in jail. Harsher penalties, yeah. Yep. You want people in jail for longer. And you want it to make sure when they do get out of jail, they can get back into jail quicker. Which is crazy, because if you think about it, even if it is privatized, it's done with money from the government. So it's like the very notion of having more people in prison is more of a strain on the taxpayer one way or another. Mm-hmm. So it's like typically a lot of these private prison type folks are right leaning or what have you. And they don't like the idea of too much government cheese going around. So it's just kind of ironic that, you know, <laughs> let's get more prisoners in prison on the government dole one way or another because it's good for these companies but it's also more government spending, which is more taxes. But I'm not going to think about that because private company, good. <laughs> as long as I keep filling my wallet with money, I'm going to be right. right there with them. Yeah. 
I don't feel good. <laughs> I just I don't feel good right now, man. Yeah. TLDR, the criminal justice system is fucked up. Yeah. Dude, I mean, this there's... whole fu- our whole system is fucked up. The whole fucking thing. Yeah, and I think and this is probably just, you know, my own personal bias, but I think it's fundamentally with how the the philosophical ideas underpinning these institutions are based on backwards and unanalyzed ideas. Oh yeah, yeah. They're not thinking about the the philosophical ideas at all. They're thinking about the bottom line, baby. <laughs> they, I know. It, like yeah, none, <laughs> I know. none of it comes into consideration for the most part, right? Like yeah. I imagine there's there's ethics boards and things that happen in the in these big companies. But, it's more of a lip service, yeah. Yeah, right? Like it's freaking wild, man. I think if the two two big things that keep coming back to me, like I was saying earlier, one is if people paid more attention to the details of things, and then two, people were just less dicks. <laughs> like really, that's like that's like <laughs> just gonna be less of a dick. Yes, yeah, <laughs> just be less of a dick and pay attention to the details just a little bit more. If everybody did that, dude, if everybody just did that a little bit. The world would be such a better place. <laughs> this is probably true. Yeah. This is probably true. And not even think, by much, though. Like, not even by much. Like, if we were all just, like, two inches... Bigger? ...of a smaller <laughs> dick. <laughs> you want my dick to get smaller by two inches? Gross. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I was, That's one half! <laughs> I was being a little ambitious. Like, yeah, right. very ambitious. Half. If we were just a half an inch. Jesus an Christ, inch man. Where are we living in a world where I can just give out half my paycheck? Is that what you're asking me? I got bills to pay, man. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, if you start to think about responsibility like this, if you, if you diffuse responsibility out of one person, if you sort of spread, if you sort of get rid of that agent locus to it, then it, it gets a lot, lot easier to be less of a dick. It gets a lot easier to be nicer because you have to, you take into account all of the other things that are going into people's decisions and how a lot of those things are probably not anyone, their ultimate choice. Like a lot of people like to, you know, forms of fat shaming. Like, oh man, just put down the fucking fork. Well, it's not really that easy. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily one decision like, like, do you think the person wakes up every day and says, fuck yeah, I'm going to be a fatty. No, that's not how that works. Not in most cases anyway. Not in most cases. Yeah. Not, And that's the thing is it's not, it's by large not in most cases. Or you go it's the like, opposite, and there's anorexic also, person, like just eat some food, you know? And there's eat also, I mean, there's, there's, aside from like a psychological component from, from either a morbidly obese or an anorexic or somebody with an eating disorder, there's hormones physiologically, biologically, there's hormones yeah. that are playing. It's like the tumor right. on the brain. Right. There's hormones that are controlling physiologically these situations. Have you ever read about the, uh, the Dutch famine study? Um, I know ringing, of it. I know of it. Is this ringing it. bells? Yes. So I'm going to get the details of this wrong, but a large population of 
people in the Netherlands went through a famine sometime after World War II or during World War II, like a like a big group of this one group of people, and uh, including a lot of pregnant mothers. And what they ended up finding out at the end of the day through what they studied, again, this is real fast, too. quick and dirty take, is that essentially when you're in vitro, when you're in in utero and you're you're and when you're a fetus the environment that your mother's living in affects how you're going to be living your whole life so a bit like um if it's if they're starving then the fetus is 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 this isn't what's actually happening but the way it's explained it's forgive the slip of the words but it's like the fetus is preparing for a world that doesn't have a lot of food. So it's going to hold on to calories more in certain ways. It's going to, it's going to retain things more. Um, and then if you, if the baby's born and then all of a sudden, you know, there's no more famine, then you're going to have a, and this is what happened. You had a bunch of kids that are a, a whole generation of this one little Dutch population that were, um, tendency towards diabetes, uh, being overweight, all these things that are associated with, you know, excessive intake or whatever, but it's able to hold calories, but then they had the calories to consume, which in turn made them store fat and everything. Yeah. And that's the same reason why you'll, um, you'll see, uh, I think the example was in East Asia or Asia anywhere where you have, um, first generation people or generations of people that are growing up in a heavily Americanized world. Like, their parents might have been eating like fish and and rice or whatever for most of their diets but now there's a burger king on every on street street corner so this whole generation of economic colonies i guess if you want to put it that way um are are experiencing you know weight gain and all these things because of this generational change in their food and whatnot it's just interesting that like Again, you're not. Where's the choice in that? Mm, right. <laughs> you're in the fucking. You're in. You're in the uterus. Yeah. And you, you can't determine how much mo- food your mother's getting, mm-hmm. or what kind of food it is. You know. It's like people growing up in the depression hoarding food, and then those people's parents who hoarded the food now have a shitload of food, and they want to make sure their kids never go hungry like they did. Right. Thus fattening them up. And then they're yeah. living in a world where food is just eat as much as you can, clean your plate. You know, you can't leave the table to eat everything yeah. I gave you. Right. My grandma was like, the fuck? She like was like, eat your food. And then she'd like, here's some more sloppy joe. And I'm like, bitch, I can't eat any more damn food. And I feel guilty if I don't eat it. So a lot of the times, like as kids, we would always like, one person would distract my grandmother and then the other person would throw away the food. And then we'd bury it in like papers or something. I thought you were just going to blame your fatness on your uh, your sweet old grandmother. <laughs> well, yeah, that's. I mean, I wish back the day I was. I mean, wish now compared to back in the day, I would eat all my food because it's so delicious. But I remember her being super strict about you have to eat all your food, and if you don't, it's like super insulting to her, and you're like, oh my god, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, and that's like that's that I think you're guilty a, for not eating all your food. I think that's an that's a social analog to the thing the 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 physical analog of being 
a fetus during a famine. You know, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. that's like a psychological p- component to it. It's, and yeah, that's yeah. the thing is like all of these things are fed in from your environment. She didn't she didn't get to choose where she was born, who she was born to or that she was going to grow up in the depression. Right. But with that experience came this mindset of scarcity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of inevitable that she was like that. So can you really blame someone who's the way they are because of an inevitability? Right. You see a lot of dogs eating food and you, you, anyone who has a dog, they'd be like, if I gave my dog endless food, I don't think it would ever stop eating. But probably as a wolf, back their instincts, they're like, this could be your last meal for a long time, so right. eat as much as you possibly can. My yeah. fucking dogs would literally, I don't know if I would, if I gave them just a pile of raw steaks, I don't think they would stop eating until they were like puking profusely. I think they would just keep eating raw steaks. My dogs, my dog acts hungry all the damn time to the point where I'm like, are you starving to death, bro? I'm about to shave your fur to make sure I don't see your ribs. And he, he acts like he's just so hungry that he needs to eat or he'll die that night. He's like, I'm going to die tonight if you don't give me any more food. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have to give you food. You're obviously going to die tonight. Well, and then I gave him food. You have huskies. Those are like the closest things to wolves, right? Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah dog breeding that's a whole nother thing so your dog's desire to want food all the time comes from the genetics and the the ancestor of the wolf perhaps and so is that his fault man like are why is that his fault does he deserve to get beat as much as he does because he's hungry (laughs) (laughs) whose fault is that is that my fault or is that my dad's fault (laughs) or is that my grandma's fault or is that my dad's dog's wolf's fault? Well, see, this is also another really good point, which is brought up in the Galen Strassen article, is that what, like, it just keeps going back. Like, yeah. it, it, going back and back and back. And then even if you believe in reincarnation, then it still goes back to whatever, you know, you were Keep playing that blame that. game. Just blame yeah. yourself. But, but that You're the blame monster. game is kind of fucking bullshit because at a certain point, like then you're never responsible for any actions or you're just, you're passing blame. You're not. Yeah. You know what else you're passing though? Praise. You're not responsible for any of the good shit you do either. Mm. Right. Is it Hitler's fault that he assassinated all those people? Or is it the art teacher that never accepted him into the art college? He could have been a beautiful art. Well, that's the thing is like being a, Again, the causal net is extremely complicated. So if you point at one thing and say, this is the thing that did that, that's just arrogant mm-hmm. because that if doesn't take into this, the complexity. Com- if I fire this kid at work who's a complete idiot and then he goes and turns and kills half the staff at my work because I fired him, is it my fault that I fired him or is it his fault? Because no, if I never fired him, he wouldn't have murdered everybody in this in the at work. Or is it my <laughs> fault for not editing this out of the podcast so that he doesn't hear that or is it oh my, my fault that God. i knew or is it my fault that i didn't warn everyone because i already knew that he was gonna do it and i just called out sick that day wow oh, that, oh, see, that oh, would be yeah right oh it's getting dark <laughs> or well, is it Seth's fault for not reporting me to the police and instead editing it out of the podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh, it's getting dark. I feel like I really have to leave it in now. <laughs> or is it Justin's fault? 
for not just going there and killing that guy. <laughs> and then me and him bury him at the dump. <laughs> in the in the Buddhist context, it's interesting because it, or one part that's interesting about it is that, you know, again they're assuming a lot of the stuff is instru- is a lot of stuff's written by scholar monks for other scholar monks. So it's assuming that you're already sort of in it to win it with Buddhism. So it's kind of like. Yeah, here's how this works. It's all it's all cause and effect. Um, you're, and they actually do this. You have you do a, a, gratitude exercises in Buddhism. One of them is meditating on precious human birth because if you were born as an animal, you wouldn't have the capacity to change yourself in certain ways. But if you were born a titan or a god, then things are so nice you don't want to change or whatever. So they they view this as like a goldilocks zone so not only are you lucky to be a, have a human birth but you're lucky to have encountered the dharma oh my god how how crazy is that so now that you know that and you know that things are all cause cause and effect and you have this knowledge there's more responsibility on you you don't have absolute responsibility but because now you know all this and you can act on this information because things are causal then you're the stakes are higher. The standards are higher for, for say, a Buddhist monk than a lay person. So they'll say that, like, oh, you know, um, the Buddha will talk about like an angry man as like a, as a child or people that are not on the path as children because they don't know any better. Essentially, with great power comes great responsibility. Kind of, yeah. And that's the thing is like, did did Hitler have plenty of opportunities to? be shown error of his ways did he just give in to his darker instincts or or what you know it's like you right now calling out sick when your guy's going to shoot up your work or whatever it's like you know better like, you know what i mean right, it's not for like sure. it's well it's, it's, it's like, like it's like james either it unknowingly steps on the anthill or knowingly steps on the anthill. right right having that knowledge i mean what like don't the christians say that all the time like the fact that you are aware of the message of of god you have a choice. You have a choice to follow the word or whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But it's that, it's the same idea. It's interesting. Again, again, though, is that really a choice? Follow the Lord or hell and damnation for eternity? Well, right. That's kind of like the gun to your head, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's interesting with, with how you explained um, with Buddhism. Like, it's, it's almost like this, like, like how to hack this religion, all right? How how to make it to Nirvana? How to make it? How to make to level one seventy one? Yeah. You got to do it by following these principles, and, no, and it and seems exactly- so like selfishly motivated to be better. Like it's a dick measuring contest with your fucking monk peers, man. Yeah, or back do up you couple, just want to back up in- a couple steps? <laughs> uh, Disen- steps. You don't be disincuse monks. <laughs> no <laughs> explanation. No, what do you mean though? Like, wh- why is it a why is it essentially a dick measuring contest? Well, no, because it's like who could who can attain nirvana quicker in that community, or like I don't know. I well, I mean, I guess I, depending on I don't know. Um, so in in one of in in one text, I think it's uh, the Lamrim Chenmo. I don't know. There's some text where the author Tsongkhapa talks about. Um, different types of motivation for entering the stream, so to speak. And 
He specifically says they're all good motivations, but some are better than others. So if you want to become a Buddhist or you want to start doing your Buddhist thing because you just hate suffering and you don't want to suffer as much. My, I see that I suffer. I don't want to suffer as much. This seems to be a way out and I'm entirely concerned with myself. That seems selfish, right? But he says that's still a good motivation because mm. when you once you start getting on that path, your mind's going to change, your heart's going to change, things are going to change and your motivation's going to open up. But it's still good. Yeah, we'll take them any way we can get them. Right. Be selfish about it. Come on over. You might have a, and then like the, the highest, the highest motivation might be, I want to attain enlightenment for the liberation of all sentient beings. It's like the Bodhisattva vow. It's like, I'm not doing this for me at all. I'm doing this for every other person who's suffering. So, so, in, so it would be similar to like, I want to get jacked so I can get all the pussy. But it's like, but that's not good. But your mind and your body's going to be like, you know what? Let him get jacked because in turn, he's going to learn. He's going to learn to eat healthy, work out, and take care of his body. And then maybe his motivation of getting all this pussy and STDs might not be the same. Wait, now and your now body's might, getting harm again with STDs. Right. And maybe now, like, no, you know what? I'm not looking for pussy. I'm looking for love. I'm looking for the well, no. right person. Yes, that would be. I think that's a. I think that's a good example, albeit a little crude, because there's a, a big part of that that I think is, um, the working out part. That's, uh, what is it? I just want to get laid, dog. I want to get avoid, jacked. I want to get yoked. I want to get ripped to get you that. You can't avoid the conceit there. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's very yeah. selfish. It's like I want to get really good looking just so I can get some babes. But your body's like, you know what? Let him get jacked because he's going to take care of his body. He's going to start eating healthy. He's going to be more, I'm going to go to bed early. I'm not going to get drunk anymore. I'm not going to eat Taco Bell. I'm going to eat chicken breasts and broccoli. I'm going to start running. And that then, could be, yes, that could be a thing that happens. And then you're like, fuck bitches. Was I'm, it? I'm making out with Justin now. Mm. We're gay. Hey, you baby. can't get STDs by having sex with men. So whatever, we're, we're good. But, but you can get my STDs. <laughs> what is happening? Anyway. <laughs> it's like Buddha. It's like Buddhism. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It makes a lot of sense to me now. Some, Things are starting some of clicking. these arguments, uh, uh, jacked, yoked, STDs aside, some of these arguments, were these in your thesis? So the part you said about hacking religion, like my thesis was essentially about how can Buddhism, particularly this one particular kind, how can they basically tell you what to do in terms of, you know, the eightfold path or whatever steps you need to do to liberate yourself. How can they do that if they don't assert any sort of fundamental metaphysical underpinning to all this? They basically say everything's in flux and there is no ultimate reality and, and whatnot. So if you don't have that, how do you back up your claims? Because typically there's ways to back up your claims. If you're telling, you know, if the pastor is telling you to do X, Y, and Z because Jesus said so, because that's how the universe is set up, then there's a reason. There's your reason, albeit however fanciful it is. This particular sect of Buddhism doesn't offer that, explicitly does not offer that. It's, it's, it's empty. It's emptiness. Everything is groundless, you know? So without that, how are you going to 
Where do you get off telling me what to fucking do, Mr. Madhyamaka? That's the name of the Buddhist sect. So my argument was they don't need to do that. They can sort of run a functional argument. They can say, yeah, it doesn't matter. But these things are going to improve your life and lead you to less suffering. So we see that they work, and that's enough of a justification that we can give you. You know, we don't have to assert any sort of ultimate metaphysical reality. The functionality of the practices is is good enough. Why do we have to dig up the foundation to see what it looks like if we know that it's doing its job? Essentially. Or why do we even need to be concerned about a foundation? Yeah. Why is that the question? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's not really directly affecting us one way or the other so why do we need to investigate it yeah but a lot of it hinged on the term upaya kaushala which means skillful means so basically i argued that well the whole buddhist path is just an exercise in skillful means it's like we do this because it's a particularly good way to achieve this state which is particularly good for these reasons mm. and there it is <laughs> Q. Yeah. What do you think about this saying? Ignorance is bliss. I think it's unfortunately true. It totally, I feel like it totally is because after talking about all of these things, it feels like if I didn't know any of it, if I didn't know about any religion at all, I was just born, I lived, and I just... There was no one knew anything about any gods or any religion. I just lived my life and there was no good or bad. And I just lived it the way I was supposed to live it. Like or, eating Taco Bell every day. Yeah. If I was a kind of like living it in maybe a free, a free willing world, it would, I feel like it would be kind of blissful. I don't know. Potentially, but I don't, I don't see. As soon as you're born, you're part of a community. As soon as you have a community, you're going to have man trying to make sense of ultimate reality one way or another. Things start so to get would, more complicated. As soon would, as you're born, would, things get complicated. I just feel like you'd be hard-pressed to find this state of nature where there is no none of these other accretions because I think being the creatures that we are, we get it whether we want it or not. People would always be asking questions why. Yeah. In some form or function. Or... You think about kids that were raised, um, you think about kids that were like literally raised in the wild or didn't have any human contact or didn't speak human language. They're the basically first all, all six. instincts. Yeah. They have missed the boat in terms of those developmental abilities and they're a lot closer to animals in the sense that we think than they are humans in the sense that we think because they haven't. What happens when you start to use language, human language, symbolic language, when you start to use these things, it, it changes your brain in certain ways that opens it up to being able to do other things. So if you never get that first step, you're blocked off from all this other stuff. So it's like, I don't know, I wouldn't, I can't imagine someone living in total isolation without communicating or using language, having much approximating a rich human life to begin with to go back to your point uh is ignorance bliss i think it really there is a bit of a uh a bit of a fine line there with the more we can explore these ideas 
intrinsic or I mean, I, I don't know, intrinsically, you may feel like you're like there's growth and development and to be able to understand some of these aspects and even just to have these conversations about philosophy can feel rich and fulfilling. Right. At the same time, knowing these things and depending on the individual, knowing these things in a way can be, did you say demanding? Yeah. It can be an analysis paralysis sort of thing. To where yeah. it's, so I, I think it, it really, I don't know if it does kind of just boil down to the individual, but um, I mean, there's been points in my life where I've like dove deep into a philosophy hole and it was actually, while rich and fulfilling, it appeared in the beginning, at a certain point, it became destructive, a very analysis paralysis for sure. To me, anyways. I could totally see that. So, I mean, I think there really is a bit of a, a fine line here. And so, but again, I kind of maybe go back to what where you find value, where you find... Exactly. And like, what are you doing the analysis for? You know, are you trying sure. to get a concrete answer? Maybe that's the problem is that you're fixated on having a concrete, stable answer rather than, I don't know, living in the flux and being right. uncertain about a lot of things, which is fucking hard to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say some outlandish shit right about now. But imagine if um, being all knowing and understanding the universe, you look for that final answer. Ooh, what'd you just crack? I just heard some. And oh, Lacroix. <laughs> oh, Lacroix. Boy. <laughs> and and that final answer is just a piercing, piercing sound that just melts your ears, and you just wish you never heard it. You wish you were eager enough not to hear that fucking piercing noise because that's the final answer of the universe. And that in turn would be ignorance, would be bliss, because it would be more blissful to not hear that fucking shitty-ass sound comparing to, well, I don't know. He, he, Let me give you a personal example. <laughs> no, you go ahead, Seth. Okay, yeah. I've just got one small point Do that it. I've been hanging on since... Um, the ignorance is bliss question and it could really be ignorance to anything right because we don't know like none of us in this conversation know everything about everything right but we don't need to know everything about everything like my uh i don't know anything about let's say the sport of lacrosse for example okay? lax for some people i i know that they have these little like sticks with a basket at the end it's a sport that they play and they try and get goals somehow and they're tossing a ball i don't know any Played by a lot of affluent young men named bryce and trent sure <laughs> um <laughs> i i want to say that that's probably accurate but i don't know anything about lacrosse like i've seen like people with lacrosse sticks if that's what they're called i don't know what they're called i don't know maybe you should fucking read a book then, i don't know bro. What, i don't know what the ball is called but but I'm sure that there's people that are deep into the sport and they care about it greatly and that they they get angry about losses and, and sad and then they get happy about um, wins and, and so on and so forth. But to me, I'm completely ignorant about the game of lacrosse. Therefore, I am blissful i have no feelings about lacrosse like i don't hate it i don't love it i haven't it's just complete if some like, random team lost it wouldn't affect it you has at all. no yeah. no bearing on me whatsoever if so bryce didn't get three goals last saturday seth would have just continued on no, with his life exactly see and there's plenty of things like so i know the name of lacrosse right there's sports and there's 
um, foods and there's um, musical arrangements and things that I know nothing about, but I cannot be... Whistle languages? I can't be upset about them and I can't be um, like gleeful about them because I, I'm completely ignorant to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Like, so it's, yeah, but there, that's a, there's a big difference between, so it's not ignorance is bliss. It's ignorance is indifference. Yeah. Right. But like, which, which is not bliss. So bliss is being, it, it, bliss it, is very specifically being like decidedly happy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The personal, the thing, ah. the example I was getting, sorry, <laughs> is that duck sauce that Intent? That's duck sauce right there for you. Oh, what did you just drink? A duck, duck sauce. sauce. Just it, duck sauce. It's a beer called duck sauce. Oh, what are you? Read the description. <laughs> what is it? It's yeah. A, what is it? It's a double Indian pale ale brewed with apricot, plum, pineapple, ginger, and something syrup. Candy syrup. Yeah, candy syrup. Candy syrup. It's very tart, Jesus. and it tastes like there's a bunch of booze in it. That's, Sounds like I'm sleeping at Seth's house tonight. That's interesting that ginger is in it, because I don't think ginger is normally in duck sauce, right? It sounds like a little Asian-y, you know? They also oyster sauce, <laughs> fish sauce. <laughs> oh, my God. A, a little bit of sesame seed oil. Oh, my God. But Q, yes, give us a real oh, good example. The example, yeah. like... Uh, Hopefully this doesn't get dark, but um, so yeah, I went to grad school for philosophy, right? And I learned all these neat stuff and the stuff I thought was really important. I still think is important and like foundational, fundamental things that I think more people should think about. But again, I'm also, as we all are, trapped in this materialist world. I have to pay my bills and rent or all these shitty things work for a dollar or what have you um going from one realm to the other going from say grad school to the job at the factory i had it the knowledge of that world that ivory tower of academia all these wonderful nuanced deep important ideas and then being thrown into a world where not a single person gives a flying fuck about any of that shit um, is distressing. And it's almost like, I wish I had never soared such heights. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, especially since most of the world, I think, doesn't give a fuck about all this stuff I think is neat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that just makes it even more kind of like saddening that I find all this value in this whatever erudite shit but nobody else does so I feel torn you know what I mean but to my point like they don't know about that right like similarly it, like they may know of its existence the existence of academia and right um, and studying things and pursuing things that you're interested in um, but I guess the value for them isn't there yeah right I have like, a question so would the, you rather so they've never they've never experienced the value Right. Or to them, the only value is, what am I going to pay rent with? Yeah. What am I going to give yeah. to the tax man? Yeah. How am I going to afford diapers for my three kids or whatever? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a it's capitalistic like, world we live in, though. Like, I not know. every country lives yeah. that way. 
Uh, most of them do. I'm going to say most of them do. I'm going to say we live in a, uh, capitalist or not, we live in a materialist world. That is, we are slaves to our desire, or our need, rather. We are slaves to our need for shelter, food, safety, or whatever, bodily safety. I feel like every bodily animal arm. and every organism is is in need of safety, shelter, food, and water. I know. I know, because we live in a materialist world. And <laughs> you'd have to everything be a go- else does. You'd have to be a, a god to not live in that type exactly. of world. Yeah. But that's the thing is like how can we as a as a species alleviate this thrall status to you know your next paycheck mm-hmm. your what mm-hmm. what are you going to give the the government for their their taxes or whatever how do you you know I don't know you guys ever watch Star Trek the Next Generation the Borg No like the Starfleet or like future humans Yeah all all money doesn't exist all yeah. basic needs have been taken care of as just like a point of course like mm-hmm. that's just kind of like a universal basic income yeah. or everyone's getting fed everyone's getting the things they need to materially survive yeah and once you've done that then there's a whole bunch of other stuff you can worry about but yeah. if you just get rid of if you sort of you make you, it so that we're not all slaves to needing to <laughs> you would hope live people would, you know what I mean would, yeah. would actually yeah. have motivation as opposed to lose motivation though just like the retired men- mentality where as soon as you retire, that's it. And a lot of people will retire and then die because they have nothing to do after they retire because their life was their work. You know what I'm saying? Because like, right. they, they spent their time pursuing materialistic things. Right. And, once and they that's, all all they, the, that's all they know. So that's once, all they, once what the, else would they know? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You can, have a, you can have a rich, rich retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, you can learn languages. You can sail or whatever. Take ballroom dancing yeah that's up to you and again Mm -hmm. that's your personal preference that's your personality and that's all deterministically determined so you know (laughs) yeah because you may you may never have been exposed to any of those things that would give you the urge to want to learn a language or learn an instrument or make music or etc etc right you you worked at your job at the factory for 40 years you bought that corvette you wanted you retired and you drive it every weekend and that's it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a question. A would you rather question? A would you rather one? Yeah. So we're each going to answer this would you rather? If you'd like. I don't know if I've already asked you guys, and I don't know if I asked you this because I don't remember. All right. So he, so this is how we're going to wrap this episode up is James is going to pose a would you rather. Right. And he himself will answer it first. Oh, my God. Okay. That's easy enough. Yep. And then um, Justin will answer. And then I will answer. Boy, you're really creating this whole, like, free will thing out the window, man. Yeah, no and free will. Where's my choice to answer third? Or- <laughs> no. I'm... I'm, I'm I know. Listen, I don't remember if we've mentioned this one in a podcast yet, but when you, you were bringing things up about um, working... And you were depressed about people. Maybe not depressed isn't the right word because you have more. Whatever you're on, you let's be real. I'm massively depressed. Yeah, Come on. he's ma- <laughs> because you have some sort of enlightenment that other people might not understand. He was empathetic towards people that might not understand. Right. So I want to pose this question. Ready? Would you rather live in a world now? Your intelligence right now 
is your intelligence and it doesn't change. Did I ask this question at all? No, no. Okay, your intelligence right now is your intelligence. What you know is what you know and what you can learn is what you can learn. Yep. Okay, your ability to learn and understand has doesn't change. But your position in the entire world is where you where is where you lie. Would you rather be the smartest person in the world or the dumbest person in the world? Granted, what you know now is what you know and what you can learn, your ability to learn can you can learn more and more. And what you understand is what you understand. It's just you compared to everyone else. What everyone else is is either everyone's smarter than you or everyone's dumber than you. Which kind of world would you want to live in? Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So let me try and explain. I think I, I get what James is saying. Yeah. So the question is, everything that you know currently, that's all that you would continue to know. Like you're not going to gain any more intelligence. You're not going to lose any more intelligence. You're not going to get any new knowledge. You're Just his every- ability, though. His no. intelligence, his ability to learn is going to stay the same. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. So every every little thing that you know right now, whether it be your ability at a musical instrument or your ability to speak different languages, you're not. That's not going to change. You're not going to learn new languages. You're not going to learn the oboe. All that stuff. Everything stays. I mean, the same. you could learn the oboe. But you would learn it at the speed that you would a normal, like you would okay, learn it at. You're not you know a ver- what I'm saying? Oh, so, so I'm trying. Okay, now I need to understand what you're trying to say. <laughs> it's not because- a reflection. It's not a reflection on your intelligence. My, if, I'm, if I'm the subject, it's a reflection on everyone else. You're either the sm- you're either at the top of the heap or the bottom. Yeah, yeah but but everything about but you, you stayed is, the, yes is the same. Yeah, is the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. it's not how you are. It's about how everyone else is. Now, comparing you to everyone else, would you rather be the dumbest or the smartest person? Granted, if you were the smartest, you have to understand your intelligence doesn't change. You're the same person, but everyone is dumber than you. So you are the smartest person in the world. Yeah. Okay. Now you're the dumbest person. Everyone in the world is smarter than you. And you're also viewed as the dumbest person in the world because obviously you're the dumbest okay, person James, in the road. James, answer the question. This seems like such an James, easy answer be, here. To me, to, to me too, yeah, James, answer I'm the question. I'm the dumbest person in the world. Okay. I, I'm the dumbest person in the world. I'm also the dumbest person <laughs> in the world. Q, do you want to answer this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering why that was so easy. I feel like... Uh, I don't know. I mean, also you have to think video, that... It reminds your me of life idiocracy. is over. You're basically giving your life <laughs> no, over. No, that's the thing. It does. It it's is a sacrificial either, thing as well. You're either the guy in idi- idiocracy or everyone else is smarter than you. Right. It is very. But it would be. It becomes like a moral question, it right? It does. Yeah. The world can progress better. It. I. There could be a better world if I'm the dumbest person yes, in the world. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's fucking. A, that's old. a really good way to put it. Why yeah. not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. why not? If the world's yeah. knowledge caps at my fucking level, yeah, fuck. Yeah, it's got to be right. better than what I know right now. I mean, I mean, wait, listen to this though. Honestly, though, there may be. Maybe, let's just say there's twenty. There's ten percent right now in the world. There's there's about ten percent people that are smarter than you right now. That's actually pretty generous because. Not only do we live in probably a very educational country, we also live, we are grown up in a very educational state. Educated, you mean? Whatever. Uh, Listen, whatever. Whatever, man. We do good education in this part. If you were to compare the United States with maybe, I don't know, maybe a shittier country, and if you compare 
Massachusetts to a shittier state, we are probably more educated than a lot of the people in this country. You're just talking averages right yeah, now. But yeah, for sure. But here's the thing. If 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 humanity's knowledge stops at my fucking level, right? I don't know how f- how the internet works. I don't know how a fucking cell phone works. And it's all t- and you so, know cell tubes, mate. It's all tubes. Right? <laughs> but if you were to humanity's compare- progress is going to come to a screeching halt. Now, mind you, there's still going to be people in considerable higher places of power who have less intelligence than me, who are in control of most of humanity. And so that makes me even That's more feel That's fearful. But That's why they're watering yeah. the crops with Gatorade. That's true. <laughs> right. You mean the water from the toilet? <laughs> you mean from the toilet? <laughs> no, that makes sense. That means people, if you're the smartest person, that means there's people running the country yes. that are dumber than you. Correct, correct. Right, that's true. All right, so Q, which fi- also seems extremely answer. dumber than everyone. But at the same time, how much smarter are they? <laughs> I just feels like it would be really frustrating. Bit. Like it seems like exactly like a. You'd uh, rather be ignorant and blissful. I didn't say that. I just said, given the confines of the question you asked me, I'd rather be the dumbest person on the planet. You know what this okay. reminds me of? This is this was a Futurama episode. This is where uh, uh, the professor. Um, found out like Da Vinci's secret. Yes, and like he was like Da Vinci was like a weird robot or something like that. And Da Vinci came from this other alien world where everybody is just light years smarter than them. So the professor <laughs> and Fry <laughs> go to this alien planet, and where Fry was perceived to be the dumbest person on planet Earth, they go to this planet, and the professor is the actual dumbest person on Earth. Oh, and he yeah. felt very frustrated. Oh, like a roll, roll reversal. Yeah. 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 That's funny. That's true. I remember that episode. He makes like a murder machine, right? Yeah, he does make a murder machine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, shit. We, you guys, you guys got to track that episode down and tell me which one it is. Okay. Oh, we can find it quick. Yeah, yeah. I remember exactly the episode. I can remember it. Ugh. It's in my brain. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of episodes, we're going to wrap this episode. Indeed. Yes. Thanks, Q. Uh, Wrapped in plastic. Any last words? Season six, episode five. The Da Vinci Code. Oh, my God. Love it. Uh, I don't have any closing words, I guess, other than uh, now that everyone who's heard this knows better, everyone who's heard this is responsible for doing better. Yes, that's good. I like it. I like it too, for sure. Don't step on any hills. All right. Thanks, Q. Thanks, Q. Always enlightening, buddy. Thank you.
Good lord. Good <laughs> lord almighty. What I rather... Would you rather? My mind hurts after that episode. Dude, that was... A My most... asshole hurts after that episode. <laughs> oh, that's strange. <laughs> Luck swallows everything. Indeed, indeed it does. <laughs> All right. Well, um, no, again, with most of the Q episodes, not much to QC on this one. A lot of philosophy talk and things like that. I just would like to reiterate that everybody should go check out that Galen Strassen article, Luck Swallows Everything. We'll yes. have a link to a copy of that in the show notes. And um, yeah, I mean, this is the last episode of the year, guys. If you're listening to this, it comes out on the last day of the year. You know, Happy New Year. Coronavirus is going to be gone that hour, I think, December 31st yeah. at midnight. It's yeah. over, right? Corona's gone. The ball yeah. drop shuts it off. Yeah, exactly. So. Congratulations on that. Yep. Everything should be open and normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone should have their jobs back. Yep. Everyone Wake up to this nightmare fine. and you'll be good. We can go back to French kissing. French oh, crib. Man. We do talk about French kissing in this episode. We do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't the, remember so that. James, there's a mad scientist that was controlling Justin. Oh, right. Had, yeah. All right. French and me or something. Dressed up like Yosemite Sam shooting guns in the air. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yes. And so, if you're hearing this, we're getting ready or we're involved in dry January. That is correct. Right? So what are we doing real quick? So this is the third year in a row we'll be doing dry January, and we're up in the stakes this year. Yeah. So we have three components to dry January. Sobriety. Yep. That's component one. Component two is a nutritional challenge, each of our own choosing. So I'm going to do... Chips and dips? Um, no chips and dips, because that's one of my biggest weaknesses, man. Uh, I crush them like every day. So I'm doing no chips and dip for my nutritional component. I'm doing a two gram sodium restricted diet. What does that mean? Two grams? So you can only have two grams a day? Yeah. Okay. Two grams or under a day. Yeah. A day. And I am doing no gluten. No gluten. Damn. No fucking gluten. That's crazy. So the third component of the challenge is going to be a physical challenge that we each set for ourselves. I am going to run another 100 miles in January, like I did a couple of years ago. I'm just going to try to work out. I'm going to work out every day. Every day. Every day. Okay. I'm either going to run or lift okay. every day. I'm doing, I don't know what I'm going to do. No days off. I think I was planning on uh, three days cardio, two days strength, one day flexibility. Okay. All right. For four weeks. All right. Beautiful. And if each one of us fails any of these challenges, there are consequences that will roll over into the beer mile that we're going to do next spring. Right. So if you fail the sobriety part of it. You can extra beer. You have to do an extra beer for your beer mile. And an extra lap. Like, is that a thing? Or you just drink an, an additional beer at any the finish lap. line. You finish the beer. Yes, okay. before yeah. your time ends. So if you're if you're one of those dudes who failed, and there's a guy on your back, he'll beat you because you have to chug that beer yes. before your time gotcha. ends. Okay. Exactly. So if you throw up, you have to run an extra lap. Yeah. But for our sobriety challenge, you if you fail that, then you have to drink an extra beer. Drink an extra beer at the end. Yeah. So if you fail the nutritional component, then you have to eat eat a taco. A Taco Bell taco. Yes. Yeah. Now, are we going to do each lap or are we just going to do like, like I, yes. I think we should you do think, each lap. With a beer, dude? Yes. Yeah. I like that. Soft taco. 
Man, don't. I'm, I'm not, I think I'm not, I, yeah, dude, I'm not we're raising the stakes. Up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right, all right. We're all right, raising dude. the stakes. I might fail on purpose because that's the only thing that's gonna hold those beers down. <laughs> oh god! All right. So yeah, you got to eat a soft, a traditional soft taco or but, hard taco but, if, you or hard. Want, if you want to do that yeah. to yourself. But we should have the rule where if you stuff in your mouth, as long as you don't spit it up, you can run with it in your mouth. Okay. The beer has Fine. to be down. Though. Okay, I'll so, take that. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. And then the third component, if you fail your physical challenge. We do an ankle weights and or something or like a Yeah, I feel like we should have some kind of weighted vest component weighted or vest. something. Vest. Something like that. Something. Yeah. 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 Weighted something on yep. you. Yeah. We can have a small child, like a small baby Yoda strapped to your chest. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That sounds good to me, guys. I, I look forward to that. And we will be videotaping this. Yes. First, we'll be first video component. We will launch some portion of the YouTube channel finally. And um yeah, we'll get some, some video stuff out to you guys. Yeah. So keep a lot of eye. good uh a lot of good stuff coming to TFK Pod. Keep twenty twenty one for YouTube for sure. Is that all we got? That's all I got. That's all I got. All right, guys. Thanks for fucking listening to our goddamn motherfucking podcast. Make sure you subscribe to it if you're not already subscribed. Leave a goddamn motherfucking comment. Wherever you watch podcasts, listen, leave a comment. We want to know how we're doing. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. That's all we got. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Later. Sausage candles.